It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. I was just at the supermarket and you know how we get overwhelmed in the supermarket? (laughs) Boy, do I. That was happening to me. I had three things on my list. It was so simple. And I was like, God, what am I even doing here? Where am I going? I hate it so much. And I felt like I was just always crashing into people. You know, when you're the annoying person in the supermarket, it just keeps like getting (laughs) You can tell they hate you. Yeah, I hate it so much. It's like the most tense situation anytime me and my boyfriend go because he also gets really stressed out um in supermarkets and I'm like this is just not a good combo like every time we're at the self-checkout I'm like one of us is gonna murder the other person or cry Mm -hmm. and it will be me yeah and it will be me I've given up on earpods as a concept yeah I I literally want to throw airpods in a fire every single pair that exists so now I've got my old um like long plug-in Apple headphones in and I feel like it's the 90s but I'm quite into it I don't know why we even use earpods every single time I go running I go to take my jumper off oh my and God. I'm trying so hard to take my jumper off without whacking it out and I whack them out and they go everywhere and fall all over the path and people have to like dodge me on bikes that happened this morning yeah and if you're when you're taking your mask on and off which we are constantly I always like just nip at it and it flicks out and my airpods only make like proper noise when they're twisted on this perpendicular angle so i look like an actual dad like they're pointing <laughs> straight ahead <laughs> yeah you were so happy when you um accidentally took mine home that time i literally i watched sound of metal which we'll talk about but it's like a movie where he goes deaf and i literally felt like that going from yours to mine <laughs> back to mine again i was like i can't hear a thing <laughs> So I've chilled out on the tequila a bit this week because 
I gave myself one and a one and three quarters shots of tequila instead of two. Three quarters too many. Because <laughs> I had yeah, I had a quarter too many last week and started slurring by the end of things. I also talk really slowly when I'm getting a bit pissed. I was like, I can't even handle listening to myself while I was running. And I was just like, yeah. Capitalism. I thought what we said was brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> no, me too. I was like, I sound smart as fuck, but I also sound quite slurry. <laughs> yeah. So what are you on this week? Oh, a margarita still, but I put a quarter less tequila. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a quarter of a shot less. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so very good news. I mean, I understand why people are celebrating Derek Chauvin getting found guilty, but it hardly feels like a cause for celebration. I know. Like, I get it, but I'm also like, I don't feel excited about it. Yeah, (laughs) I saw people posting on Instagram being like the fact that we're celebrating a man who was videoed murdering someone getting sentenced to murder is just such a perfect picture of where we are today in the world yeah it's kind of one of those things where it feels like they're just throwing us a bone to keep us happy so we won't actually push for real change because it's like they had to do that they had to sentence him to murder or there'd be more riots it's like they're trying to keep everyone calm by doing this yeah like it was in their best interest like like, to just throw that guy yeah away to keep the system in place and at the exact same time as him getting the guilty verdict of murdering george floyd a police killed shot and killed a 16 year old black girl who called them to her home to help her in ohio so micaiah bryant she'd called the police with a report that another girl was trying to stab her and the police came to her home and then shot her four times It's just, like, unbelievable. I was trying to think about why it was that police killings of civilians is just so high in America. Apparently, it's a 1,000 people per year. Mm. And I read somewhere someone saying, you know, but there's 5 million interactions between police officers and civilians per year, so that's only 0.002%. And I was like, okay, but cops killing a 1,000 people a year? I'm like, don't worry about the percentage. That's too many people. Yeah. And I think... America is just like this country where every single cop goes into every single situation thinking that someone's going to be armed with like a military grade weapon and they're also institutionally racist and that combination I'm like that will never stop being a deadly combination. (laughs) Mm, Yeah because the gun laws there like there has been so many mass shootings in America this year. Mm -hmm. So it's like the gun laws and it's them literally being taught and trained through their whole lives and then in the police academy to be racist and to be scared of black people but yeah it's it's that thing where obviously i think i didn't really understand this as much until recently because when black lives matter was taking off in last year in like june and july i was kind of thinking yes obviously we need to focus on america but also we need to focus on racism everywhere we need to focus on racism in new zealand and australia where it's really fucking bad in the uk and beyond And that's still obviously the truth, but I hadn't realized just how much worse it is in America. Like, it actually just genuinely is worse than it is because of how often the police are killing people. 
It's like they're killing them at like an exponential rate compared to anywhere else in the world. Like there's been a couple of black people in the UK who have been killed by police, but it's not like a couple every other week. Yeah. Well, it's a thousand a year. So that's like 20 a week in America. Mm. It's like unbelievable. But I think in America, it's just deadlier. Like I, I think the racism yeah. with the cops end in death just so much higher because everyone is heavily armed, which is insane. But in Australia this week, there have been four Indigenous deaths in custody since March. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, in Australia, they can't get away with shooting someone, so they lock them up. And don't care for uh, their mental health or well-being if people are obviously, like, overly intoxicated or agitated or in a drug state. The 7am podcast, which I keep recommending, by the monthly, have done, like, three or four episodes on the Indigenous deaths in custody and... It's been really fascinating and really depressing to learn about because it's you just see that this problem is like the same in every country where white people are the majority, basically. Mm, yeah. And on that note, it also takes us to the UK where yes. we didn't even speak about Prince Philip dying last week, did we? But he no. <laughs> he died and his funeral was on the weekend and published in the Sunday Times about his funeral was a journalist being just blatantly racist towards Asian people during a time when Asian hate is ridiculously high. Yeah, so this journalist is called Christina Lamb and she wrote the cover story for the Times's post-funeral coverage. And keeping in mind the Times is probably the biggest and most respected newspaper in the UK... And it basically said something along the lines of Prince Philip was known to make these kind of racist gaffes um, like about people with slitty eyes and we pretended to condemn him even though we secretly enjoyed it, which is just like such, I just find that whole thing bananas. So like, I just can't believe bananas. that it was written. I can't Went believe that it was sub-edited. Like- <laughs> published on the front page of a newspaper at all, let alone like during COVID. When there's so much anti-Asian hate going on and everyone is so focused on that as being a problem. It's actually wild. But it's, it's again, it's just, it's funny when this stuff happens. At the exact same time of that cop sentencing, a black girl gets shot. And it's like, at the exact same time as anti-Asian hate protests, that gets published on the front page of a paper. And it showcases to you, I think, what's terrifying about it. So Susie Lau, aka Susie Bubble, who's this really great fashion influencer was really vocal about this and has kind of been leading the charge to get the Times to print a retraction and an apology, which so far hasn't happened. But the thing that's scary is thinking about all the gatekeepers it takes for a cover story to get printed. I get newspapers are on like a quicker turnaround, but there's multiple sets of eyes that are going over that story before it goes to print. The fact that every single one of those gatekeepers was obviously white to not pick up on how inappropriate that is Mm -hmm. and obviously didn't think that there was anything wrong about it. Like that's terrifying because that is the team that is bringing people the so-called objective news every day. Yeah, unbiased news. And we've talked about it so many times, but it is outrageous how white journalism is all across the board, but especially in the UK. I think it was like 94% of journalists went to private schools and are white. Yeah, and this idea of just the idea of us secretly rather enjoying it is just so, so 
bizarre to me. Like it doesn't even feel true to older relatives I have or people I know. I just can't imagine anyone saying that. I just, it's just so weird. Mm. And Christina Lamb is a foreign correspondent and people were kind of saying someone whose job it is to go and cover war zones or the refugee crises in areas in Asia and the Middle East where most of the people you're covering are people of colour, knowing that someone has these opinions is really at odds then with what their job is. Yeah, it's so wild. Yeah, it's so disgusting. I, moving on, I actually read a piece that I was sent by friend of the pod Rosie in New Zealand, friend of the pod and world's sexiest woman, Rosie Herdman. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Settle. (laughs) <laughs> sending all the, the four listeners of AWD to her DMs. Um, four male listeners, I mean. Four ma- what did I just say? All four listeners of AWD. <laughs> all four male listeners, Zach included, to Rosie's yeah. DMs. Um, about Limerence, um, off the back of our mm-hmm. chat about I Love Dick, the book we're both reading last week. And I can't actually remember, did, did we say the term Limerence or not? We did. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. So this Guardian article, the writer is talking about how she met a girl called Lucy at a gay club in Soho and they went on a few dates and then she got so obsessed with this girl that she would stare at her WhatsApp to see when she was online and she would get like a stomach flip when she was online and then she'd just feel like utter shit when she was online but she wasn't messaging her or hadn't messaged her back. They then matched on a dating app as kind of like a joke but then she could see when Lucy was close to her which also should be illegal. I can't believe that's on dating apps. That's like set up to make people go crazy. You can see when they're like in your proximity. So she started trying to go to all the places she thought she'd be. So she thought she was like at this pub. So she literally like made her way there to try and bump into her there. And Mm. then by the time she got there, Lucy had left. And she was like too embarrassed to tell her friends how distraught she was about it. So she Googled love agony and love sickness and then came across the term limerence all about the biochemical processes that happen in the brain when you become obsessed with someone which is so interesting because I know we spoke about it and I love dick but I just didn't really realize that there'd been proper books written about it by doctors and psychiatrists and yeah it's really interesting so basically the person Dorothy Tenov who coined the term limerence in 1979 she compared the intensity to that of what an addict feels for drugs basically it's like limerence is different from normal crushes or normal heartache when it actually affects your mental health so it's something that you can't stop thinking about them and you feel absolutely crazy and your moods and emotions are dependent on them but it's yeah it was just so interesting because I was like why do we not speak about this a lot more I don't know if she mentioned this in the piece but is it linked to I don't know meant something to do with mental health I don't know but I think probably or just it probably it's probably just something that you're like channeling all your energy and thoughts into but they do say that limerence is like PTSD in reverse so instead of stress it's ecstasy and in PTSD you get intense re-experiencing flashback dreams intrusive thoughts um and hypervigilance and anxiety and with love sicknesses the stress is substituted with the feelings of love but you still feel all of those things And on the internet, there's full groups and chat rooms and websites devoted to limerence. So there's people that are in these chat rooms, like there's one called Living with Limerence, and it has 
10,000 to 15,000 people on it a month. And they have acronyms like EA, which means emotional affair, and LO, which means limerence object. We should bring that into the pod, limerence object. LO, yeah. Oh, can you guys message us with your LO stories? Harry Styles is my limerence object. Have you ever had limerence for a celebrity? I think I literally got it for Harry Styles when I first found out who he was. Yeah, I got it before as well. And I feel like I I just keep thinking about them and I'm internally, I'm like, this is so embarrassing, but I feel like I'm in love with... Who? I mean, it happened a lot when I was younger. I used to be in love with Alexander Skarsgård. Oh, I was in love with um, Ashton Kutcher, as everyone knows. At least, but you were young then. This is when I was like 18. Yeah, I was 12. (laughs) It wasn't even a crush. I was like, I'm going to, like, I, it felt like an emotional affair that lasted for like three months while I was watching True Blood. Oh my God. (laughs) And then I got out of it and I felt humiliated, even though he obviously didn't know. Mm. It just felt so intense. I think specific people are such suckers for things like limerence. Like I am such a romantic person that every time Mm -hmm. I even meet someone, that I get a crush on. I get like obsessed with them. I won't shut up about them. Like I remember when I met my ex-boyfriend five years ago, my workmate was like, you need to literally stop. Shut <laughs> like shut the fuck <laughs> up. I'm trying to work. And I was like I'm that again recently. Like it just, I think just specific people are such pee, like I'm such a pee brain. My, my brain yeah. just works on this tiny little cycle and it's like, I feel happy. I'm in love. I feel happy. I'm in love. What are they doing? I want to hang out with them. I'm happy. <laughs> I'm in love. That's it. Like but a I think ping pong machine. It's obviously worse if it's unrequ- un- unrequited. Yeah. I think, I mean, uh, yeah, it's hard to tell exactly the difference, I guess. Because I guess limerence can like lead into a proper lasting relationship, but I feel like a lot of the time with limerence, it's rooted in the fact that you know it's probably not going to happen. Mm. Don't you think? Like that's when, or maybe that's just the ones you remember more. <laughs> yeah, it's like agonizing. I can't remember the other the ones that I that didn't have an apart from that one guy that I used the secret to try and get him to text me and I sat in bed all night like and it worked and it worked it did and you said his full Christian name on the podcast <laughs> first and second I'm so surprised I didn't get any DMs about that because there's any DMs from him about that <laughs> imagine you need to manifest it manifest to start dating him anyway should we talk about weed yeah yes yeah, I feel crazy when I have margaritas. I feel crazy. Yeah, I I just wish we were together. I I think it's so funny that we're well, it, still we're so on Zoom. stupid because I know I could have just come to your house and I didn't even think about it till right now. I know, two idiots, two twits, two idiots, <laughs> two little idiots. So yesterday was. The 20th of April, 420, rock and roll. <laughs> it doesn't really count in Australia because that's not – and the UK because that's not how they do the dates. Yeah. But I still had but, people saying happy 420 to me. Yeah. I know. I Yeah. I've always been so, – yeah. Whatever. Um, <laughs> what is happening? I just always find 420 people like so annoying, but I, I get that it's like ironic the way most people do it now. 
Yeah. Like, you know how, yeah, people just love to tell you they smoke weed. But, um, yeah, so that happened at the same time that Seth Rogen has, like, unveiled his new weed company. And he had a big interview in the New York Times to launch it and has done a bunch of press internationally. And I just find it so funny that, I mean, it's not even funny, actually. It's so depressing. I find it so crazy that... At the same time, a massive A-list celebrity is launching a multi-million dollar business selling pot. There are people all over America and in the UK and in Australia and in New Zealand serving long prison sentences for smoking pot. Like, I, I kind of knew that, but it wasn't until I started seeing all this coverage of, like, Seth Rogen smoking a joint in Bodie and Bottega Veneta outfits for GQ that I was like, this disconnect is so crazy. I know, it's so wild. People are serving 20 years in the US for being caught with weed on them. And, of course, it's a white man who's a celebrity who's being like, I love weed. It's just, it's even with the 420 thing yesterday, everyone was like, if you're white and you're celebrating 420, you really need to, like, read up on what's going on. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say before, but I couldn't <laughs> find the words. But I'm like, that kind of culture of of white people being like yeah I, I smoke and posting thinly veiled weed stuff online i'm kind of just like shut the fuck up like you're never it's not risky for you mm. so like the kind of cultural cred that you think you're getting from showing that you're doing something that's illegal is coming off the back of like non-white people being jailed for it you'll never be jailed for it if you're some white dude from the eastern suburbs yeah exactly that it makes me so sad and kind of confused that the cannabis referendum in New Zealand go through. I like weirdly mm-hmm. just knew it wouldn't, even though our country is supposed to be so progressive and so ahead of its time. And everyone smokes weed in New Zealand. It's the has the eighth highest usage rates per capita in the world. So like eighty percent of young people in New Zealand have had have tried it before they're twenty one, and so many people grow it there. It's just like so common. It just felt so crazy that something that's already in the community, something that everyone's already using, wouldn't be legalized to then put the money into the economy, like instead of drug dealers' pockets. It just feels so stupid. I'm like, everyone that voted no to that, what are you changing? Nothing. You're just literally making the economy have less money and random drug dealers have more money and like fueling the gangs. Like my brother voted no to legalizing cannabis. Because he hangs out with gang members and wanted them to still get money. I was like, God, Josh, are you fucking serious? Josh? <laughs> Say his name? What the fuck is You know, they call it the Mandela effect where you're like convinced that you remember something massive in history happened and it just didn't happen. I was like that about the weed referendum passing in New Zealand because we obviously interviewed Chloe Swarbrick about it mm. ahead of the referendum happening. And in my head... I was like, when we talk about this on the podcast, we can talk about how Jacinda's injected all this money into the New Zealand economy by legalizing weed. I thought it had happened for some reason. It's just so insane that it didn't pass. Like you say, New Zealand of all places. Even though like Jacinda refused to say she was voting yes, which was kind of annoying, but she did say that she'd smoked it in the past. Mm -hmm. And also another kind of annoying thing about that is it was the Greens pushing for it so heavily and like Jacinda only agreed to the referendum because she had to co-govern with the Greens so that's what they had pushed her to do in order for her to co-govern and so now that it was a no vote this just won't be tabled again for so long even though it's just such a it's it's like even if you don't smoke weed 
which a lot of my friends wouldn't smoke weed and wouldn't like the idea of stoners or whatever, like your classic idea of stoners, the fact that it so disproportionately affects the indigenous population should be enough of a reason to vote yes. For example, Māori are three times more likely to be arrested and convicted of a cannabis-related crime than any other New Zealander, and that's even after accounting for differences in use. Māori are four to five times more likely than white New Zealanders to be sent to jail when appearing in the courts. And Māori women, which is crazy, and I think I've said this on the podcast before, are the most incarcerated group of Indigenous women in the entire world. It's just so insane. So I did a piece recently for GQ about the AIDS crisis in Australia in the 80s, the kind of early days of it. And I spoke to this really amazing guy called Dr. Alex Wodak, and he was working at St. Vincent's Hospital in King's Cross when AIDS broke out. And basically when AIDS broke out, it was concentrated in the gay male population. But in other countries worldwide, there'd been total chaos when it had spread from gay men to the heterosexual population because then it was like really hard to contain. Hospitals were overloaded, etc. So as a doctor at St. Vincent's, Dr. Wodak was like very instrumental in trying to figure out how to stop the spread of AIDS from gay men to straight people. And the biggest example that he discovered was sharing needles among heroin addicts. Mm-hmm. So basically he was one of the pioneers of clean needle programs because he was like we need to give drug addicts clean needles so every time they're shooting up they're shooting up with a new needle so they're not passing bloody needles to each other and spreading this deadly disease and the government was like no we're absolutely no to like any condoning drug use you can't do it and he was basically like this is going to be so disastrous for the country that he illegally went out and was handing them out to drug users even though he could lose his job and get arrested and jailed for it because he was like I literally need to protect (laughs) the country and then Mm. eventually they allowed the clean needle program to happen in Sydney but he spent like the rest of his life uh, pushing for common sense drug reform in Australia including pill testing and including these like their rooms in King's Cross where the lighting is so that it makes it easier for you to shoot up so you don't miss veins and, and things. And it's just mm-hmm. like that classic thing with anything to do with drug reform where people say, oh, you're encouraging drug use because that kind of is the common sense response. But then on paper, it's like, no, you're not. You're just reducing harm. You're reducing yeah harm in terms of like things being on the black market and being more regulated. Like that, that would be so regulated if cannabis was legal in New Zealand. It would be harder to get than alcohol from, from for anyone under 21. Plus you're putting money into the economy. Plus you're stopping like this huge racism issue. In America, black Americans are nearly four times as likely to be arrested for cannabis possession than white Americans, despite the fact that they both use cannabis at the same rate. And it costs the country $3.6 billion a year to enforce cannabis laws in the US. $3.6 billion on weed laws. Yes, and there is endless, endless, endless stories in the US of young black boys who are 14, 15 being caught with like the tiniest amount of pot, going to jail for 10 years, 
having to join gangs or having to like make alliances in prison that turn them into hardened criminals so that by the time they come out they're stuck in a system of poverty and crime and re-entry into the like criminal justice system it just ruins entire lives it takes like the male breadwinners out of black families and creates a abundance of single mothers like the whole system is just you a mess. You can't vote once you've been to prison. But imagine being in prison now or knowing that you haven't seen your father in 15 years because he got caught with like an ounce of pot and you're now seeing Seth Rogen on the cover of the New York Times in designer clothes bragging about how he's making millions of dollars of selling weed products. Like it's just, it's such mm. a mess. This isn't Seth Rogen's fault. I'm just saying it's just like the cognitive dissonance <laughs> between the two is just so crazy. It like fully showcases how... There's two justice systems in America and everywhere. Yeah. I was reading one of those Instagram infographics today, which was actually coming in handy, but it was telling me about even, so like legalizing cannabis needs to happen, but even just how we're legalizing it needs to be addressed. So at the moment, the top tier of the legal cannabis industry is run almost exclusively by white men and large companies are always favored over small businesses by regulatory schemes in most states which means that obviously Seth Rogan's business is going to be favored over like a young startup trying to make money Mm -hmm. so at the same time as we need to focus on legalizing it we need to focus on like allowing people other than the mid-men people in California to have a stake in this enterprise totally and I think it's that thing as well where Chloe Swarbrick talked about this, but she was like, there aren't no adverse effects of weed. I think Chloe had lived with a guy who got into a really dark spiral of smoking pot all the time, not socializing, and eventually ended his own life. Like, she wasn't oblivious to the fact that there are potential downsides to smoking weed in copious amounts, but she was basically saying that when you legalize it or decriminalize it, you can educate kids in schools about how to consume it safely it will come with packaging and information that will help you make smarter decisions. And there will be a duty of care to the sellers who will be accountable that if someone is suicidally depressed or acting manically, they will be obliged not to sell the product in the same way that if you're at a bar, you can't serve someone who's really drunk. Like Mm. the downsides of it will be improved by legalization. Yeah. Full disclosure. Um, I haven't really liked smoking weed since I greened out on my friend's parents' bathroom floor with the door locked when I was like 19. The room was like spinning because I was really drunk and then smoked a joint and was trying to be cool because I was with my ex-ex-boyfriend and we just started dating. And then lay down on the bathroom floor and couldn't get up because the whole world was spinning and his mum was banging on the door worried about me. So I've stopped like smoking it that much because... I obviously just had, like, way too much as a child. And now I'm very into, as of recently, as of the past month, gummies. Yeah. So we talked about the CBD gummies, but now I'm just, like, fully into weed gummies. And I love them, and they make me relaxed, and I want to watch movies on them. I watched The Matrix on a weed gummy and had the best time of my life. And I and I read so much better on them instead of drinking so much. Yeah. As you know, I've had... My worst drug experiences have all been from smoking pot. It's like the only time I've had a fucking nightmare. It's happened twice. As you know, the second time was when I was in Amsterdam and 
I had I had stopped smoking weed because every time I did I just like had a a panic attack (laughs) and the annoying thing about it is it's because we're smoking way too much because you had no idea what you're doing as kids like that's I think that's what's frustrating about it because now it sounds like weed is this bad thing but it's like when I was little people would pass like little when I was young people would pass joints around until you smoked a whole joint and now like when I was in California in June I went to a friend's house and we'd had like a few wines and then they were like oh let's have a joint and we just passed it round and each had like one to two puffs and then had the best time of our lives and it's like it's just it's, it's education about it that we didn't have yeah exactly so when i was in amsterdam i like rolled a joint that was like the size of my arm for like my friends because i was like <laughs> i was because i smoked i was the only one that could roll and i was like i'm not having any and it just kept coming back to me and i smoked so much and then all of a sudden i just looked up and the whole world was insane and then my friends were were <laughs> nicely baked so they were laughing at how insane i was behaving and as you, <laughs> which makes it so much worse. so much worse and they were like are you okay <laughs> and i was like ah like and i like nearly flipped the table i was like fuck you and like stormed out <laughs> and then i was walking around and they were like what is going on obviously laughed when I did that so I was even more angry at them and then I went out and was walking around Amsterdam at like 10 p.m but all the shops were open and then I got it in my head that they were following me and live streaming it on Facebook (laughs) live streaming (laughs) like my paranoid brain this was like 2010 yeah. Um, so I was like, look normal because they're going to be like, look, Grace is so high. And then I, I was trying <laughs> to look normal and I was just crazy. I would go into a shop and it would be so <laughs> overwhelming. I wanted to scream. So I'd run back out again or I'd like light a cigarette and then just put it out straight away and light another one. I was just manic. Yeah. Yeah. And I was walking around for ages. And then I got back to the coffee shop and they were both sitting outside like crying because they hadn't been able to, they weren't crying, but they were like, we're so worried. Where the fuck have you been? And I'd been gone for like three hours. <laughs> You thought they knew because they were right behind you, like hiding behind a rubbish bin. Oh, it was so bad. I had the bathroom floor experience and then I went to a festival, a music festival in Nashville, Tennessee, randomly in one of my many lives and ate a weed brownie and it was so delicious that I was like, I just want another one. And I hadn't, I couldn't feel anything yet. So I had another one. These like random Americans gave us them. And then we were like, let's go on the Ferris wheel and walked for honestly half an hour through, through. 40 to 50 degree heat to this ferris wheel got on the ferris wheel and i had my huge slr camera at the time you know when everyone just had those huge fucking cameras even though i like didn't know how to use it i found my feed the other day and it was just like blurry pictures of like the venice beach (laughs) sign at venice beach and like the eiffel tower like why did we have that i guess our phones didn't have good cameras so what are you gonna do but i um had this SLR and I started trying to take I thought I was taking like really arty photos and I was taking photos I was zooming in on the like nuts and bolts of the Ferris wheel (laughs) for ages for the whole Ferris wheel trip I was like honed in on this one screw one rusty (laughs) screw on the side and then I got off and was like I can't stand the grass is like vibrating in my face so I had to sit down for a while then get carried back to the tent and put in the tent and then um slept for like and put in the tent put in the tent yeah edibles are fucked yeah but now i love them as of three weeks ago i had this weed cookie on my 17th birthday and i was in this park and it was it was like literally the color green like god knows how much was in there i can't believe i ate it (laughs) it was like green 
It was fully green. I'd never seen anything like it and I ate it and then I just walked around and all of a sudden my vision became these like really slow moving strobe lights. And my mum had always told me that if I smoked weed, I would get schizophrenia. So I was like, oh my God, I've got schizophrenia. (laughs) And I was trying to drown myself in the lake. (laughs) (laughs) And all my wholesome friends from high school were like, what? Anyway, legalized cannabis, everybody. Yeah, I know. It took me literally 72 hours to get that fucking cookie out of my system. But now I've tried one of your weed gummies and I, I quite like it. So maybe it's our time. I do feel like it suits our pea brains to smoke. It's just because we're like greedy girls who just wouldn't as teenagers just have a puff and relax. We just, you know, eat two brownies, eat the green cookie, smoke three joints, and then it ruins it for you. Yeah, exactly. It's just like literally knowing your limit. And I think I think when I was younger, it was just really cool if you smoked heaps of weed because you'd be with these boys that were just stoners smoking out of a billy (laughs) yeah so they'd just be like passing it around passing around i did like those what are those ones where you cut yeah half a bottle and then you do like you put water in it and then you suck up through that there's so many genius contraptions yeah with the garden hose i remember we used to get high out of an apple i was so dumb yeah which seems so silly because you can just roll a joint but yeah now that we know about moderation as adults weed gummies really do suit my personality i think with drinking i just get too excited and sloppy and then end up feeling like shit the next day and like i don't know it's just it's just it's just like a way worse for my mental health and physical health and then i'll have half a weed gummy and then just have like the best i just took one on saturday went to the park read my book intently for like two hours and then walked home, watched a movie intently. It makes me, me focus. It's good for ADHD, everybody. <laughs> Prescribing all our um, <laughs> listeners, weed gummies. Yeah. No, totally. And like you say, I just find it so crazy that alcohol is legalized. And I've had a couple of times going out drinking now since lockdown reopened. And I was violently ill. I was so sick. I literally felt like I'd poisoned myself. I worry sometimes that you're allergic to alcohol. Yeah, I think I might be as Mm. well. (laughs) But it's like that plus when I drink, like you said, I talk too much or I feel like I'm talking way too much. So I'm filled with this awful crippling shame (laughs) the next day over things that probably aren't that big a deal. And I feel like I haven't been myself And I panic about how other people perceive me. And it just is such an unpleasant way to live. And like you say, the idea that the thing that's illegal is the thing that just makes you zone out, be very relaxed, be unselfconscious and really enjoy what you're doing with like no adverse effects on broader society. Have like a brilliant deep sleep. (laughs) Sleep like a child, wake up feeling (laughs) refreshed and ready to take on the day. Yeah. It doesn't cause you to be knocked out the whole weekend, which makes you feel more depressed. It makes me work more. It's crazy. I've now been like having someone writing articles and it makes me just focus. Like I just picked up I Love Dick the other day when I hadn't started it and you'd recommended it on the pod. And I picked it up after I'd had half a weed gummy and then just sat there for two hours reading. Yeah. Usually I would think about my phone or I'd jump around. Anyway, let's move on. We've been talking about weed for too long. (laughs) 
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Can I tell you a like funny tidbit about Australian politics that I learned the other day? So yes, ScoMo having the worst year of his life probably career wise. He forced the CEO of Australia Post, a woman, to resign last year because she'd given her top four like top selling managers Cartier watches for Christmas. Oh my god. Like, so chic. So chic. Even. She looks chic. She's like English and blonde. I love her. And she had to resign over it. And now this week she's been part of a Senate inquiry where she was like, I was forced to resign. No one offered an internal investigation. And I was under the impression from my boss that those gifts were completely above board and legal. So what people are basically saying is after he's called for the due process of a police investigation for Christian Porter, who was accused of raping someone and said, he's still working. I will not do anything unless he's properly investigated and found guilty. He forced someone who was accused of improperly spending $20,000 of government money on gifts for her staff, forced them to resign with no internal investigation and no due process over something that small. Of course. Of course. Like, revolting. It's so revolting. I also um, went for a run this morning and I've just got an Apple Watch, which is my new best friend. At first I got it and was like, this is so ridiculous and is exactly like an iPhone. I don't know why I have it and now I'm obsessed. But I got it and then I realized you couldn't, I hadn't downloaded any podcasts. So it was just playing like anything that I had on my phone. And it started playing this one about how exercise is good for us. And then it said that when Boris Johnson got COVID, jade, and they like put his voice on and he was like, well, you know, COVID affected me more than um, it would have um, because if I wasn't, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm a bit fat. <laughs> oh, Aww, jade, jade Boris. Boris. And now he's like focused on obesity. But the person on the podcast was like, you should be focused on just getting people to exercise instead of focused on their weight. But I was like, that's so funny that he said that to like the nation. <laughs> I have an announcement to make. I have an announcement to make. I'm a bit fat. Oh, Boris. <sighs> we don't like Boris. Anyway. Okay, so Oscars are this weekend. I've just watched Minari and The Sound of Metal. and Both today. One last night, one today. Heaven. 
and I love our jobs. I know. I was like, got to do it for the pod. <laughs> Two p.m. On a I was like, Wednesday. I've got to make this strong tequila margarita for the pod. For the pod, my Four job. Four p.m. on a Wednesday. Um, and you've seen Nomadland and Judas and the Black Messiah, and we've both seen Promising Young Woman. So we're semi across the nominations. So it's a very great year. Great year for movies. All very like understated well-done films as opposed to the usual Oscar fodder, which I'm enjoying. Yeah, which is very surprising considering it was COVID times. This is the first year that the Oscars has let films that weren't released in cinemas be eligible. Right. But it's like something they really do need to change going forward because streaming services are releasing movies all the time. So if they don't get a cinematic release, they're not considered for the Oscars usually. Which seems yeah, so wild. which is now so outdated and crazy. Oh, I've also seen Mank. I just remembered. Because I was like, oh, there's no big director, like old school Hollywood director movie, but Mank is David Fincher. But yeah, so it seems like all of the predictions are in favor of Nomadland. Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I think best movie will be Nomadland. I also think best director will be Chloe Zhao. And I think Best Actress will be Frances McDormand. So that's like all the big categories for Nomadland. But it is quite funny because, as I've said before, Frances McDormand literally won for three billboards and said on the Oscars stage that she doesn't want to win any more Oscars. So just to give it to someone else. Also, it's crazy. Viola Davies has never won an Oscar. Yeah, that's outrageous. And she's nominated for Marini's Black Bottom. So hopefully they'll give it to her. Carrie Mulligan was also really great and promising young woman. She carried the whole film. So, like, that's quite a intense category. Oh, yeah. And Vanessa Kirby was, like, amazing. I saw Pieces of a Woman as well. Yeah, Vanessa Kirby that. was, like, incredible in Pieces of a Woman. All the girls. The girls. The actress category, always competitive in mm. recent years anyway. So Sound of Metal is about a heavy metal drummer that loses his hearing and goes deaf. And it's got Riz Ahmed, who's just such a fantastic actor. And a hottie. And he's fantastic in it. However, I, I think it will probably be Chadwick Boseman, even though I haven't seen the film. Yeah. It just sounds like he was yeah. rave-reviewed. Yeah, I haven't seen Moraine's Black Bottom either, but I really want to watch it. But yeah, I think he'll win... Best Actor, I think Best Supporting Actress will go to Yu Zhong Yun from Minari. Yes. Who gave that incredible BAFTA speech saying that British people are snobby. <laughs> it was so truth. funny. She didn't even know she was being funny, but she was. Yeah, she, Minari's really great as well. It's like one of those, usually those kind of slow family dramas bore me to tears, but it was really well done. All the acting was really great and there's a really cool grandma in it that I love <laughs> and also just quickly sorry with sound and metal because it's all about this guy learning to be deaf all of the supporting actors and cast are deaf and the things that they showcase in that movie are just so amazing like about the way that deaf people communicate with each other there's a scene where there's 10 deaf people around a table having conversations with each other and it, it's silent and you can see they're signing and then it, the noise moves to like normal diegetic noise and all the people are maybe half trying to talk or fully talking or some people are yelling and some people are silent and people are slapping the table and doing stuff but because they don't realize they're doing it it's like 
that experience of watching deaf people converse is just so fascinating. Yeah, wow. It's so cool. That's so cool. Um, best supporting actor, I think, will go to Daniel Kaluuya, who I saw on Raya one time for Judas and the Black Messiah. Did you? Yeah, I swiped the fuck out of him and he didn't reply, obviously. Mm. Um, but for Judas and the Black Messiah, because that is a, an amazing film. Paid like £12 on Amazon for that bad boy. <laughs> Worth every penny. <laughs> I've now cancelled my Amazon Prime membership. I'm coming out of the four-month lockdown. I'm like, Amazon can go. Also cancelled my Deliveroo membership. I need to cancel mine as well. It's too enabling. Yeah, too enabling to get those fucking Ben's cookies delivered to the doorstep every afternoon. Last night, I can't tell you. Did you get them? It took every... No, it took every shred of self-restraint in my entire body from head to toe not to get it my finger was like hovering on the button yeah when i because they deliver ben's cookies are like this british cookie brand that i think it's been around forever but we found out about them and they're so delicious and they deliver to grace's house but not to my house which is like a 20 minute walk away from grace's and i just get so upset that one time i ordered them to grace's and then drove drove by to pick them up I know I was like searching on their website and they were like delivery like you can deliver to wherever it'll come in two to three days I was like what two to three days is, is this the middle ages is this world war you'll two? find me just standing outside your house not even I wouldn't even text you I just get stuff delivered there <laughs> two cookies. to three days oh Ben's cookies are the best I mean you got two cookies out of that transaction I know so. I know <laughs> I said I was going to save one for Zach, but I ate them both in like less than one second. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. And then I confessed to Zach. So last week we talked a bit about burnout, but then this week there has been a New York Times article going viral because everyone's thinking the same things as us. And it's about the term languishing, which I'd never heard of before in my life, but I think it describes more what we're feeling because I was kind of trying to think of a word and we came to burnout we listened to that New York Times episode it feels like it's some in some senses we're burnt out but then I was also like at the same time I still have energy I still have energy for other things I just feel like my brain is frazzled and it's all over the show and languishing was saying you know me and my friends were feeling a similar way but it wasn't burnout because we had energy and it wasn't depression because we didn't feel hopeless we just felt a bit joyless and a bit aimless and there's a name for that which is languishing so he was saying in psychology this writer is a psychologist we think about mental health on a spectrum from depression to flourishing and flourishing is the peak of well-being so you have a strong sense of meaning mastery and mattering to others depression is the valley of ill-being you feel despondent drained and worthless but languishing is this kind of neglected middle child of mental health which is the void between depression and flourishing and just kind of the absence of well-being so you don't have symptoms of a mental illness but you're also not completely well and happy either you're just not functioning at full capacity so languishing dulls your motivation it disrupts your ability to focus it triples the odds that you'll cut back on work and it appears more common than major depression and in some ways like might be a bigger risk factor for mental illness but we just don't even know about this middle ground because we either think we're well or not well and I think that so describes how I've been feeling because I feel fine to 
go for a big walk with you or get a coffee or chat or whatever. But at the same time, when I sit down at my computer to try and work, it feels impossible, like completely impossible to focus on a, on a thing unless I have a weed gummy. No, I, I totally agree. I was like so excited when you sent that to me because you're right, that phrase burnout. When I came to London after finishing my last job, I was burnt out. I had literally burnt the candle at both ends for five years. I had worked so hard. I had like slept so little. I'd traveled so often. I lived this incredibly, incredibly high paced, high stress, high anxiety lifestyle. And so the last year was actually kind of incredible for me to be able to really, really slow down and to really like stop that pace and to be able to finally calm myself after years of hecticness and so when we were talking about how we've been feeling lately you're right like burnout wasn't the phrase because I didn't feel burnt out like you I didn't feel incapable of doing anything I just felt like my brain was incapable of coming up with new ideas or getting excited about the future or feeling ambitious or feeling just motivated, I guess, like you said. Mm. And this idea that it's this in-between stage of like a lesser discussed, like mental trough is really interesting. And I think what's so great about understanding phrases like this is it gives us a much more nuanced ability to just to discuss our mental health because I think so often we have like three or four terms to use and so they never really quite encapsulate how we're feeling because if you say for example with you when you experience depression you're experiencing proper medical depression but people say really flippantly I'm depressed Mm. or like I'm suicidal or like well people don't really say that but people make jokes about that or make jokes about having PTSD or say they're anxious in reference to very small things. So then when you're having crippling anxiety, you're like, no, it's so much worse than feeling anxious over getting a text back. But the same word is in use. It's Mm. like the more words we have, the better we can like communicate with people what's going on. I think I know that we do. I know that we talked about this last week and we do talk about the, the wild time we're in and how it's so crazy and how it's so unprecedented to use a buzz phrase but also at the same time in terms of this term languishing of course we're going to feel that way because for the past four months we haven't left the house and we've had to keep working in the house now it's like this really odd time where you can leave the house to sit outside at a pub with friends you can go to the parks it's getting lighter it's getting brighter But at the same time, you have to work like you have to get your work done. And where you get your work done now is still at home because offices haven't reopened. Co-working spaces kind of have, I think. But predominantly, everyone is still working from home. But now you're allowed to finally leave this prison you were in. So it's it's so hard to focus because every day that I sit at home on the couch, I'm like, I have been doing this for the past four months. I just want to get outside. Yeah, and even that word languishing, I'm like, it just so perfectly encapsulates what it is to just be sitting at home, not allowed to do anything, not allowed to progress your life or change your life or move your life forward in any way. Mm. That's exactly what it is that we're experiencing. And I think we were both in kind of creative ruts with our work and felt like at times, oh, it's just because there's not much going on. But it was really, I think, just because we were incapable of motivating ourselves to be like excited about the world again it felt like there was nothing to be curious or excited about yeah which is such a bad thing long term I think 
for me especially and you but perhaps me especially like being this dreamy romantic person as a Pisces I'm like I need to have things to think about in the future to look forward to I need to have things to get excited about that's what makes me motivated to get out of bed in the morning and when we didn't have that during this past crazy time it's just hard to get excited about anything and I think that's why everything you do achieve you end up not even thinking anything of it because everything feels feels like useless or something I don't know I think it's a thing as well where everything's being communicated in such a banal way now because like the way you're always communicating is basically through social media to a certain extent so it's like even the things you're achieving don't really feel real for whatever reason because you're everything's like virtual Mm. every communication you have and everything you achieve or everything that you whatever is all just done through a screen so it's like almost you don't even get that feeling that you would get of I don't even know. Going out to dinner and telling your friend good news versus texting it to them or something. I think those like interactions are really, really important. Yeah. We should bring that back now, actually. Yeah. What? That in-person telling each other yeah. stuff. I don't know. That just sounds like fun. I wish I like hadn't texted you exciting news now. We could, I could just tell you in person, <laughs> but we accidentally I'm talk pregnant. every two hours. <laughs> okay. Moving on, we're going to do a quick chat about... Some funny celeb goss. So firstly, I want to talk to you about Zoe Kravitz. So Mm -hmm. she broke up with her husband of one year, little Jade Carl Glusman, a couple of months ago. And there were all these rumors that she was dating Channing Tatum. And Mm -hmm. which just doesn't work. Which doesn't work, but I'm worried it's true. Yeah, <laughs> she left a what like a flame emoji on one of his like topless photos. Yeah, I'm really worried. It's true. I'm like quite stressed. But in the past couple of days, she posted a photo with Taylor Page, who is the actress who's the lead in Zola, the amazing movie ah! we're so excited to see about the viral Twitter thread that we talked about. So she posted a photo with Taylor. And they had their arms around each other and they looked super coupley. And Zoe wrote, so this is a thing. People were like, are you saying you're in a relationship? Other people were accusing her of queer baiting. Zoe's bisexual, so they could be in a relationship. But then I just got into this rabbit hole and realized that Taylor goes out with Jesse Williams, who is the hottie from Grey's Anatomy. And he was in Little Fires Everywhere. And he's such a babe. And they're so fucking cute together. Okay. And in a couple... <laughs> okay. Okay. I I, you're telling me all of this stuff in real time. So I'm like, I'm I know. just rolling with the punches as they arrive. This long story. Because okay. I know that Taylor Page is in Zola with Riley Keough, who Zoe Kravitz is really good friends with because of Mad Max. So mm. it makes sense that she could have set them up. Yes. But she, or as far as we know, is with Jesse Williams, who's the hottie from Grey's Anatomy, little fires everywhere. They are so cute together. And then I got into this thing. I was supposed to be researching for the pod and I ended up on this GQ profile. This truly is research for the pod because <laughs> I need to know. I mean, it is now. Now it is. And they talked about where they met and she had just gotten out of this traumatic relationship and she told her heel all about it. And he said she was going to meet, the healer told her she was going to meet a guy with a name starting with J. So then she got invited to Jesse Williams' party, thought maybe he's the J. She's such a, like, ass person. 
pea brain. She's had a pea brain. Thought maybe he's the J. So she borrowed this like hot red dress, went to his Emmy's party, and then walked back and forth past him till he noticed her and asked her out. And then, so his side of the story is just this like gorgeous woman walked past him in a red dress and caught his eye, and he went and like she was sought her out. But her plan, like a, like a vlogger, <laughs> her plan all along, like the only reason she went to the party was because she was like, "You're the J." And he's amazing, and he's always been, like, super outspoken about racism. He did this incredible speech, I think, in 2016. So now he's been known as an activist and abolitionist for years. And she was saying in the profile that he made her realize as a black woman to never apologize for taking up space. And then she made him continue activism, but also remember at the same time to enjoy his life and to celebrate his successes and things they're just so fucking cute i still want her to go out with zoe kravitz (laughs) i know but i'm like they better still be together and zoe better be with channing no that's how i feel now after reading you have to read the gq profile two beautiful bisexual women be together yeah that is like truly a match those two i know oh gorgeous also uh j-lo and a-rod are properly over after we don't spoke about him i've rewatched that footage that he put up so a rod put up this is honestly like the worst thing i've ever seen a celebrity do yeah he put up an instagram story video and tagged at j-lo no and he was playing fix you by coldplay no the bit where it's like tears stream down your face when you lose something you can't replace (laughs) and it was a shrine of pictures of j-lo in his house including this giant framed picture of written in the sand, Alex loves Jennifer. God. It's like haunting. It's so awful. Like, please do, like, what, what, it's so obvious what happened. (laughs) He was messaging girls from Southern Charm. He was being naughty and she thought about it for a couple of months and was like, no, dumped. And now he's losing his mind, understandably, but please keep us out of it. I know. It's so, 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 so insane and predictable that, of course, he was texting, trying to hook up with a girl from Southern Charm publicly by accident. You don't even have to know what that sentence means to know that it's awful. Yeah. And then (laughs) J-Lo finds out and is like, obviously not. And now he's losing his mind. It's like, why do men especially just not know what they've got until it's gone? It's like you have Jennifer Lopez, please, please treat her accordingly. But as we've said before, not to victim blame J Lo, but you can just see it on A Rod a mile away. I know, I know. You know, you also did say that um that Kim Kardashian when she broke up with Kanye West would date A Rod, and now he's single. So I don't know what you're predicting. I didn't say that. You did. I don't. I don't think so. You did. You did. I don't think so. That thought has never crossed my pea brain in a million and one years. And we had never. people replying about it. What? Yeah. When? I don't know. What? <laughs> anyway. Are you sure you're not talking about Meek Mill? No. Who the fuck is Meek Mill? Why would Kim and A. <laughs> You said it. I don't know, Grace. Okay, we. I will pay you fifty dollars if I've said right, this. We're gonna have to get the girls onto it. I will buy us fifty Ben's cookies. Oh, no, you can't. I'll buy myself fifty Ben's cookies. No, I can't. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, so there's a few big bachelorettes on the horizon, J-Lo and Kim K. I know. Kim Kardashian has apparently, page six, wrote a story saying she's being courted by billionaires, CEOs, athletes, and A-listers. And I was like, of course she is. (laughs) (laughs) She is a catch. (laughs) I was like, of course she is. Yeah, I know. I'm so curious to see. I saw someone say that she was going out with Van Jones. And if that's true, I will hugely ship that. But I thought he'd been married. Oh, he's gotten divorced recently. The Van Jones is this guy. Yeah, and he's really hot. And, and he's, he's a lawyer. A lawyer. Focused on prison reform. And he's just gotten divorced recently. Yeah. She'll go out with someone like that. I think that's the arena she'll be batting for. It'll be no more NBA players, no more rappers. No, no, she'll she's be into like out some hot, smart activist. I hope it's a hot, smart activist. The alternative will be that she pulls like a Jackie O and marries some sort of random. Who no is name. Jackie O with? Well, she, after JFK died, she married this guy called Aristotle Onassis, and he was like 30 years older than her, and he was worth a batrillion dollars. Yeah. And she didn't even like him, but she was just like, fine. Yeah. I mean, Kim K's already worth a billion. Yeah. I wonder if she'll change her house now. That's something mm. I think about a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Close taps. Yeah, like she, I don't think she'll like that minimalism now that Kanye's gone. I think she'll have something a bit more homely. Uh, final piece of celeb goss is that Zach Efron and his muffin girlfriend, Vanessa, from Byron Bay, have apparently broken up. No. Oh. Which I feel nothing but um, despair, kind of sadness about. <laughs> Devastation. <laughs> I do. I was like, they're so cute together because he just went to Byron Bay and met her at a cafe and then they've been dating for 10 months really low key and it just seems random that they would have broken up. So my detective pea brain just thinks he's done an A-rod. I can't see any other reason. <laughs> Your limited knowledge of the situation. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. About that. I just think if you've been together for 10 months, you guys are going really solid. Like, <laughs> they've been traveling around the country together while he films some random Netflix show. Two weeks ago, they were spotted together really happy. Really? Something like- kind of, like, sus seems to have happened. I reckon she literally saw his phone and he was DMing fucking, like, Vanessa Hutchins <laughs> or some such person. <laughs> You're being so funny. <laughs> Wait, what's the deal? I know we're supposed to... I don't want our conversation to end now. What's happening with Travis Barker and Kourtney Kardashian? They're being embarrassing. Oh, they're being so embarrassing. I think Courtney's my favourite Kardashian sister. No. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, No. She's the worst. Is she? She seems like normal. Yeah, I appreciate if you like her. She definitely is the more normal one. She's like mumsy. She's healthy. She's just really got quite a boring personality. Whereas Kim's per- <laughs> Kim's personality is like hilarious. My list would go. Chris is number one. Yeah, agree. And then if we're... Scott just it's kind of gone off, off my list now because he's dating like a 14-year-old again. But Chris <laughs> is number one. Kim's number two. Really? Yeah, she's great. She's really funny. She's like really good value. You just have to watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians. 
Not that I've seen it. Do you think she'd in... come on the pod? She should... We'll get Kim on the pod at her toilet. Yeah. Then probably Chloe, then Kylie, then Kendall, then Courtney. Oh, wow. Then what's his face? Rob. <laughs> Do you know what's hilarious? I've never seen an episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians and I watched the entire season of Robin China. What? <laughs> Until he watched it in Melbourne. It was amazing. Wow. I've never seen that. You should, you, like, yeah, I think if you watched Keeping Up with the Kardashians, you would really enjoy it. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah, Courtney. The funniest thing about this relationship with Travis is just how much she's morphed into, like, this band girl. Mm-hmm. It's just quite embarrassing. The clothes she's wearing, it's like all leather and like strap up. And he got a tattoo saying Courtney. Yeah, on his chest. I saw that on Not Skinny But Not Fat. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, they've just gone like zero to 100, which is cute for them. But also she's just being like quite trash with her outfits. Okay, should we end the pod? I want to hang out. I know, same. Okay, bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com.